Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we need to play catch up this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host Beige. Or do we need to play mustard? No, huh? you can't keep using that one every time. Um, oh, we're doing, I, I forgot I'd, I forgot that's I'd the use third that one time. Before. I'm leaving it in the episode so everybody else knows <laughs> that you've made this mistake. Um, <laughs> we have a ton of geekery to catch up on because BJ was out of the country, and then he missed a week because of internet technical difficulties. So we just have a lot to talk about. Um, let's dive into it. Why don't you start? Because I think I have more than you, and I can probably scale accordingly. Yeah, I have a weird amount of it because I feel like I've done a whole lot, but haven't really dived deep into any of it. Where probably the most recent thing that I did was last night, uh, Jennifer and I finally got to go see A Star is Born. Um, have you seen it yet or thought about it? I don't know if it's your kind of movie or not. I but, have no uh, idea what that is. I didn't even know it was a movie until you just said that. Okay, it's a. There have been a series of movies called A Star Is Born since basically the 30s, and every one of them kind of follows the same narrative, but has a different take on it. It's a movie that just keeps getting remade and remade. And this time it was a uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, and we saw a trailer for it when we went to see Crazy Rich Asians, and it just looked fantastic. And we finally got to go see it, and it was a very emotionally heavy movie, and it's exactly exactly the kind of movie that I knew it was going to be from watching the trailers but it was uh it was really good like it was really fantastic in that it was you know this um, it was a music star finding uh somebody to fall in love with and she's incredibly talented and their relationship and just going through all of the the whole fame thing where it's kind of a a stereotypical uh narrative because it's been remade and retold so many times but this one was so well done that just the acting in it the everything it was uh, directed and uh i don't remember if it was written by bradley cooper but i know he directed it and had his hand in pretty much everything and it's just incredibly well done that every little detail of it was put together with care and you can tell so i really really appreciate this movie for doing things like that that you just Sometimes you can just feel a movie and you know that the people who made it loved making it. And so it, that's kind of how this one feels. Um, very heavy. There were lots of sniffles in the... Uh, it was one of those movies where at the very end of it, there were lots of sniffles. And as everyone left, there was not a single word being said. No one talked to each other. No one uh, No one kind of muttered and uh, whispered each other to get out of the way, all that. It was just silence leaving the theater. And it was, but it, not a bad thing. I mean, that's just the way the movie was. It was just excellent. And uh, I was, I'm, I'm really, really glad that we finally got to go see it uh, after wanting to go all weekend long. And we, uh, I've been wanting to see Venom, so that's on my short list of things. Like, I know it's supposed to be bad, and I know that it's probably going to be bad. But, yeah, that's definitely um, a watch-it-at-home later movie on my list at the moment. Oh, and see, I that's see a, I, I want to see, see this how in the theater. bad it is, but, like, I don't want to pay money to see how bad it is. I'll watch it when I can see it without paying money, basically. I think I'm going to like it. Like, that's the thing, because I love Venom and Spider-Man so much that that is the 12-year-old no DJ movie. Say what? There's no Spider-Man in it, though. That's the oh, problem. Well, I know there's no Spider-Man in it, but it's got all the Venom characters, and, uh, like, I love it. Like, Venom was literally my favorite character in comics for so many years that I cannot wait to see it. Like, I don't even care that they've removed the Spider-Man part of it. Um it, it's I'm going to love it. Um, and we've been fighting to go see the movies because we have movie pass and we're so canceling, canceling it now. Yeah, it keeps getting worse, right? Yeah, over and over again. And we've been keeping it the last couple of months because it is it's been worth worth the money we've gotten our money's worth out of it despite all of the issues they've had and this is the first month where it's like we look in the morning they have show times like okay we're gonna go see a movie tonight and then there's nothing left like they just remove the they have show times for every single movie at the theater and then by the time like three o'clock in the afternoon rolls around there aren't any at all and it's like no i'm not dealing with this and uh, when that's not the way they've actually announced the way this plan is going to be so I just hate it, and we're probably going to end up doing that AMC Stubbs thing for the holidays because we go see so many movies in the fall and uh, over 
and over Christmas. But yeah, that was my tangent on uh, on Movie Pass. Like it's terrible. Don't give them money. Well, I've and, heard uh, that that AMC one is actually pretty decent if that's the theater that you go to. I've yeah. I've looked at it, but the problem is the one theater that I actually enjoy going to nearby me is not an AMC. So uh, I don't know if they ever actually remodel the one nearby near me to be more like the theaters that i enjoy now i would think about it and ours and the only one we have in town is an amc it was a car mic that just got bought out and then the ones that we tend to go to in huntsville is, are uh, amcs as well so that that actually works out for us uh the only one that it wouldn't that we tend to frequent is a regal in nashville that has a bigger imax screen than the ones in huntsville but other than that it's uh it's going to be fine for us as long as we actually go to the movies and watch them. But yeah, I mean, I love Star is Born. It was great. And uh, over my trip, I haven't actually finished the audiobook yet, but over my trip, I started listening to the Crazy Rich Asians audiobook. And it is so good that I see why this movie got made and why there's a series on it. That it is, it's incredibly well written and the, the voice acting is great. And I don't really have anything other than to say, uh, other than that, to say that. It's just good that it uh, it does expand a lot of the stuff that's in the movie where they they kept the exact same feel. I think where I am so far that it doesn't uh, that it's not one of those where they kind of did a thematic adaptation of it and uh, like took the story in different places and didn't happen at all. Like it is very similar in tone and actions like I just really I'm really impressed with the adaptation of it so far. I finished Thrawn finally the uh the Thrawn novel uh that I was reading on and started Thrawn Alliances. I'm barely into it. Like I may be in the second chapter or something like that. I mean not very far at all. Cause I just finished the other one like last night maybe. Um but it's it's really good. Like I really, really loved Thrawn, the uh the the first novel. And the only thing that I had really issues with was that part of that story felt really rushed. Like the entire point of it was showing where he was introduced into the Empire uh, as a nobody and basically rose in the ranks so quickly to Grand Admiral, and I get that, but it made part of the narrative seem almost episodic. Like I was reading a series of short stories or vignettes that were tied together somehow where it didn't necessarily feel like a novel. Did it feel that way to you when you read it? It's been a while. I just remember that I liked that one and I thought it was worth my time, but it was, I could see that from what I remember. I think there's stuff towards the end that feels a little bit rushed and maybe there are some pieces in there that could have been fleshed out. Um, But I agree. Like that one was good, but you said you're into the next one, Thrawn Alliances now, because I'm yeah. three quarters of the way through that book. Okay, so you're you're much further than I am into it. Where where I am is what I think is going to happen. It has been confirmed by your notes that they're going to go back and forth in time, that they're telling a now and then story. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I hate you? it. So it's not it's not just this book it's that they've done this like two or three different times recently with star wars novels that have come out like one of the late oh. um the latest han solo ones that i read did this exact same thing only it was three different timelines and oh man it's just like there's no point most of the time you could tell this story more effectively without multiple timelines or you could have like actually focused in on one and with thrawn alliances this one in particular thrawn is the interesting part of this book and they waste yes. so much time on anakin and vader and padme and like it's just i don't know it's not interesting to hear about their exploits and part of it is because well you actually had a note about it here like things that are canon aren't going to change so we know where these characters are going to end up and things that are going to happen to them but because of that like they just can't be in the same kind of danger and nothing meaningfully yeah. can change about them so why are we spending so much time on them and that kind of irritates me it's like these like i love thrawn for and they've got the character i mean the character is, is essentially the same as he was in the original zon books I mean, well, and the he's art, the highlight of this book still. Like, he's good. His character is great. It's just everything else is like, why are we spending this time with other people? And the stuff that I loved about him, I'm waiting for, and then realize that that's not canon anymore. That that's not part of the the current Star Wars universe that they're going with. And I'm like, oh, this is where he ends up getting going to the outbound flight. And I'm like, nope, mm -mm. the outbound flight thing wasn't 
wasn't part of this. That was a that was a completely different universe. And so, it, it, like you said, it's it's hard to reconcile this being a series that takes place before the original trilogy as opposed to after. I really wish they had introduced Thrawn in maybe the Resistance uh, TV show that's coming up, where it would all take place afterward, where these stories would feel a little bit more open. Yeah, I can see that. They're, I mean, they've done some stuff with him. They included him in Rebels, and I don't know. It yep. feels like they could continue to flesh him out. I hope they find a way to bring him back after the conclusion of Rebels, which, I don't know, I, I could see them doing, but I could also see them just leaving it and never going back. Yeah, I could see it both ways. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that they bring him back in, uh, like, the Mandalorian TV show that uh, John Favreau said that he was going to be doing we didn't uh, and talk teased about on Instagram. That looks amazing. No, it does. And I got so excited about it. I told Jennifer about it. I was like, look at this. And she, uh, she read it. She's like, okay. And I was like, what, what, okay, that, 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 that's, your, that's your response? And she's like, I thought it was going to be something big and new. And I'm like, what? Who is this person I married? And like, I'm super <laughs> excited about it. Like, I, I'm, I'm very excited about that because it seems, based on that, uh, that particular snippet that, they, that he teased on Instagram, it's going to be a TV show that, is, that fits like directly within that, uh, that niche that I like that it, it's going to be that pseudo gritty sci-fi almost western that that i really end up getting into well and since the news came out about it i've had a bunch of conversations with other friends that are into star wars and in talking it through i think i'm coming to realize that the things i enjoy the most about star wars as much as like i like the movies for what they are and setting the universe up um i really enjoy the things on the fringes that are like very very tangentially related to the main storyline but like only at the edges like i like the things that are almost all the way disconnected so they can be their own story with their own characters and really do things that are like weird for lack of a better term yeah i hope that the mandalorian is that i hope that they don't try to tie it so closely to the main stories the way that they have with other stuff um like rebels was kind of a step in the right direction but a lot of the other star wars properties just feel like they're playing it so safe right now and thinking back to the old legends universe i really like the things that were like way way after the movies or way way before Mm -hmm. the movies because it gave them so much space to like play yeah the the old republic stuff was my absolute favorite uh, stories that they ever told about star wars the the old republic comics and then the star wars legacy comics they did that was you know way 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 after even the yuzon vong stuff that they had done where i'm i'm sad that those kind of stories aren't being told right now so I'm really hoping that they'll start doing some of the pre and post Star Wars stories eventually. Yeah, I hope so too. I've not been. Uh, I've been playing that uh, that uh, what is it? The Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes game, and yeah. I started that Marvel Strike Force game, which are the same things. And that's what's taken up my gaming time lately. Is like I haven't really wanted to think that much since I got back and really put an effort into gaming. And so I haven't played much Spider Man. Like I've played a little bit of it, and it's still an absolutely fantastic game. But I just haven't really wanted to sit and uh, play something on the TV. Uh, so I haven't gone any further into it, but I am going to ask, and this may be a spoiler for like the next 30 seconds or so, but is Venom in the game? No, he's not. Okay. That I was I was just curious because with the movie having come out so soon after the uh, after the release of the game, I was really wondering if he was going to be in it at all because the way that it's set up right now, it didn't feel like he was going to fit very well. So I'm kind of glad he's not, but it would have been cool to see. Uh, but I was just curious because I haven't gotten any further than that. So that being said, they do some stuff at the very end of the game that sets it up for a very interesting Spider-Man 2 and awesome they don't directly it's far enough away from the other like stories that they've told in other universes that it's kind of unclear about which way it would go but i have a very strong suspicion about who the main villains and like some of the main storylines that will come up in the next game i don't want to say any more than that without spoiling things though that's great i mean i can't wait to get back to the story because the story in spider-man is fantastic i just haven't had that i haven't wanted to sit with a controller in my hand and really think about the combat and things like that and where i'm going it's been like i'm gonna press this button i'm gonna find this armor i'm gonna craft this that kind of thing 
Um, cool. So because I've been doing that with the new Strike Force, which I really like, I actually think Marvel Strike Force, the further I've gotten into both of those games, I actually think Marvel Strike Force is a better game because it's learned from that kind of genre on mobile, those kind of five-on-five uh, five arena gotcha games. And uh, But seeing all of those has made me want to get back into comics a little bit and... I started Luke Cage season two with Jennifer and it's really good. Like I'm hesitant to say, I don't know. I'm wondering if it's going to be as it's not as good as season one, in my opinion, at least where I'm at right now in the first half of it, because I don't like what they've done with some of the characters. Like it's not as interesting for me right now and I don't like the way Luke is acting and I'm I'm hoping that it all comes around like it like it's going to uh like I'm expecting it to at the end but I I really am enjoying it and I started Iron Fist season two have you started it or tried it or anything at all no I don't feel any compulsion to go near it it's much better it is. I'd heard it was much better, and after watching there. Defenders, it is. I mean, and, and, and admittedly, you are one hundred percent right. The bar is low, but I was coming off of Defenders, and I'd seen a Daredevil season three trailer uh, that comes out in just a couple of weeks, and I was like, you know what? I probably should watch Iron Fist season two. Uh, and then Jennifer told me one spoiler that she had seen after we hit a particular episode of Luke Cage, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this. And so I watched the first episode. Episode, and it is a lot better than season one, where it actually makes me want to watch season two out of curiosity and interest, not morbid curiosity and like grotesqueness. So it's uh, so I'm really happy about it. Um, I just I feel like all of the hype around the Netflix MCU died after the Defenders. Like the Defenders yeah. came out, everyone was still talking about it. There were still people who would post like all of the episodes, like episode by episode spoilers and full in-depth articles like the day it came out. And there were journalists working like 24 hours straight to provide you with all of the feedback because Netflix yep. does seasons like that. And after the Defenders, it's just I'm not seeing any of that. Like people just don't seem to care anymore, which is very interesting. And it's weird for me because I've thought about that, uh, not so much that people don't care, but that Netflix isn't pushing it, that I had no idea that Daredevil Season 3 had been produced and was ready to be put out until I accidentally ran across a trailer for it when I was watching... Um, I was watching something on YouTube, and I'd searched, and it just kind of scrolled down. I was looking for uh, the new Marvel cartoon with Kamala Khan, the Rising Heroes or something like that. I don't even remember what it's called. But uh, I was looking for that to see if there was a trailer for it since it's just come out. And scrolled down a little bit, and there was Daredevil Season 3 trailer, and it said October 19th. And I'm like, um... Say what now? Like, well, I haven't seen I this on Netflix. If it's because the Disney streaming service is coming out, so they're slowly wrapping up all of the Netflix ones because Disney's just going to do everything over there from now on. And that may be true. I suspect the way the licensing deals are is that we are not going to see any of the defenders after they like wrap up the current seasons. They're just going to go and take all of the main heroes and start doing extra stuff with them in some kind of TV format over there. I really hope they don't do main hero stuff on the Disney streaming. Like, that's one thing I don't want is I don't want because I already feel inundated with Iron Man and Captain America and Vision and all of them. Like, we've talked about superhero overload, and I'm looking forward to this streaming service to get this original content like The Mandalorian. And I love the Marvel MCU or the Netflix MCU. But I don't want the the Disney Now or whatever it's called to be more of those superheroes that are in the movies that I'm I'm hoping that they'll continue the same kind of thing that they're doing with the Netflix MCU and have a completely different universe with a slightly different tone. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see. I'm very curious about the Disney streaming service. We'll have to talk. I feel like you and I are going to talk about that a lot as we get closer to it. Yeah. And I mean, have you speaking of that, I'm just curious, have you tried or know anyone who has tried the DC one? Because it was getting pushed really hard. And then I've heard nothing about it. Like I saw a trailer for Titans. And then I don't even know if that show is out yet. No, I mean, I so no, I mean, the answer is no. But I've been thinking that the next time whenever I go back and do like a comics binge again, I might try to pick it up for like a month and just see 
like I've never really gotten into DC Comics. I think that's probably right. come through if you've listened to any of the comic episodes. So I might give it a shot and see what's out there, especially after talking to Rob about all of the like Elseworlds stuff. That oh, yeah. intrigues me more than anything else I've ever heard about DC Comics. But no, I mean, <laughs> I, I saw all the ads. I saw the push they had leading into it, and then I haven't heard anything about it since it launched either. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad that that's not just me because, I mean, everything that I'm reading and looking for, and I'm, I'm in kind of looking at those comics uh, areas right now and still haven't seen anyone mention it. So it's like, that's odd. Um, but I mean, it's DC. I'm not nearly as into it as I am Marvel. And I've, well, even I used to be huge, I used to be huge into DC and just their, their current stuff has not interested me at all. That said, I did subscribe to Marvel Unlimited a long time ago, a couple of weeks ago before I went to Spain. And I'm so glad that I did. Like it is, it's, I'm so happy. Like I always forget how much I love this service when I don't have it, that when I do have it, I'm like, oh yeah, I can just go read these comics that, that I'm kind of the person who, uh, you know, I go all in on stuff whenever I love something. I get very intense about it, but comics are one of those things that I forget how much I love where it's not like Star Wars where I will actively fall out of it and get irritated because of the fan base or some other thing and, or just like get disinterested in it for a while but it's always there. It's like, you know, I love this stuff. Comics are one of those things where whenever I'm not reading them, I'm like, oh yeah, I like comics. They're fine. And uh, then I, then I open up a comic or I open a digital comic or anything. I'm like, oh my God, I love everything about this. Spider-Man. And it's, uh, it's just like, I don't, I forgot how much I loved Marvel Unlimited, and uh, they have an event right now uh, going on in the app. Like it's a, a reading list called uh, Pat. Like it's either Path to or Journey to or something uh, into Spider Geddon. And I'm like, I don't know what Spider Geddon is, but it looks like they're going to be doing a big tie-in into uh, the end of the Spider Verse movie this at the end of this year, and that means I have to read all the Spider Man comics, and I'm very excited about that uh, because I'm probably going to end up buying all of whatever the new tie-in uh, like crossover stuff is because I loved Into the Spider-Verse so much and I'm so excited about that movie that uh, that I'll read the Spider-Geddon or whatever they're going to be doing that I'm very excited about that since I got into Marvel Unlimited. Sweet. Yeah, no, I, I'm interested in it too, especially after playing a bunch of Spider-Man and then, I don't know, those trailers, the trailers haven't sold me on that movie, but... What? I like enough of the the Spider-Verse crossover stuff that I read the last time I picked up Marvel Unlimited that I want to see that movie at some point. Have you seen the newest trailer? Like, I saw yeah. it this morning. No, Apparently it came them. out this week. Like, yep. there was a third trailer. Yeah, and I, I saw, saw it. Jennifer showed me this morning, and I, I did, I'd missed it, and... It looks and see to me, it looks fantastic. That's going to be a night one movie for me. That that is the movie that I wanted Spider Man Homecoming to be in terms of the level of Peter Parker, where he is, what the story overall is going to be like, just the tone. That's going to be the Spider Man that I love, and I cannot wait to see what they do with it. On cool. top of having Spider Gwen, like my wife, I love Spider Gwen. And I don't know why I love Spider Gwen so much. And like we had to go clear out some furniture and uh, keepsakes and family albums and stuff from my mom's house this weekend. So it was like really emotionally challenging for me. And Jennifer had to go buy boxes and totes and bring more of them back uh, that we didn't have enough. And she came back. She's like, I bought you a present. And she came in and just put these totes down. So like, your presents in there. And I opened it up like a present and she bought me one of the spider gwen action figures from the end of the spider verse movie that they're already out and i was like oh because apparently i collect spider gwen things now and i uh, didn't realize that i did but i have a lot of them cool. that's sweet and i guess the last thing i've done is like i've done all the surface level stuff and haven't really dived in like i said as we've been watching halloween wars and the halloween baking championship on food network that it's october we got married on halloween that's kind of been our thing and ever since we discovered these shows we buy them on amazon prime because we don't have food network and just sit and watch them at night ever the night after they come on we just love watching them and uh that's just part of our halloween tradition uh, 
uh, for the past, I think, three or four years since we discovered it. And it's just so much fun to do, just sitting there uh, watching these these silly, goofy, campy Halloween shows. And it's, it's just super fun. And they've added a third one in this year. I don't know what it's called, but we heard that there was a third Halloween baking show uh, on Food Network, and I'm going to have to figure out what it is so I can buy that one and we can sit and watch it before Halloween. Like, some people watch horror movies for Halloween, and we just marathon Halloween cooking shows to see what kind of weird food people come up with. <laughs> I like your version better. Um, it is. It It is. I love horror movies, but man, this is a lot better. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, we should probably do a little network talk here in the middle before I dive into mine. So, Geekitude this week, they have, uh, they're doing an episode about recent movie trailers. Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, I already listened to it. It's about K-pop, and it was very fascinating. Um, there is also an anime club announcement, so Capsule J sent this over to me, and if you guys don't know him, he's kind of like um, a community organizer, and he's the closest thing that we have to a resident streamer on on the network too which you should check him out but you can find him on twitter and twitch and reddit he does a lot on reddit for us if you go to cap and then s-u-l and then j-a-y capsule j anyway he sent me a message about the anime club so he said that the voting for this season had an unprecedented result it's a four-way tie so to break the tie from now until next tuesday he's running a battle of the pilots so pilot episodes basically in which all of you can basically sample the first episode of each show to narrow it down and then they're going to pick two for the season so the shows that tied were radiant which is a fantasy adventure based on a french comic book SSS Gridman, which is a mecha superhero series inspired by live action shows, kind of like Power Rangers. Bloom Into You, which is a coming of age LGBT romance. And then So Many Colors in the Future, which is an urban fantasy about a time traveling witch. Whoa, seriously? Okay, I'm gonna have to look at that one. Um, <laughs> I love that this is the first time that you've read that. And it's just like, the, you know, that, whoa! No, I read it great. earlier today. I just didn't process it until I said it out loud. Um, so the poll also unanimously expressed interest in doing a movie night with a synchronized stream and a live chat. So he's working on setting that up, the movie and the date, to be determined later. But there's a sticky post on the subreddit about all of this. So... There you go. Now you know. You're in the loop. Um, besides that, you can send us questions for this podcast because we usually do our Q&A episode around Thanksgiving-ish. We got a couple last week, but send them in. Start sending them. Um, the email address works great. Any of our Twitter handles works great. We we keep an eye on everything, basically. So send it whatever way works for you. And yep. then, as always, you can tell them about Patreon. Uh, Patreon is where we ask you for your support because you love us. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast check out any of the reward tiers that you like, and really just support the podcast so that we can keep making the absolutely fantastic podcasts that you know and love. Go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast to become a patron saint of geekery. Sweet. So... I've been doing a lot. Um, I doubt I'm going to get through all this, but we'll try. I doubt I it. I'm curious to see Hamilton. if you will. I saw Hamilton. Oh, I'm so angry, 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 jealous. It was like right after you left the country, so I couldn't even yeah. talk to you about it because you were all jet lagged or in the air or something. Um, it is amazing. So like the staging and the performance were amazing. Yeah. There's a simple set and simple costumes, but it's because the show is nonstop, you know? Yeah. Fitting. Never enough. really stops moving. It doesn't. And like there's this spinning turntable stage in the middle that has like two different rings of turntable to it. They do really, really cool stuff with it. Um, all this to say, like, I can't express it in words very well because it's a play you have to like see it but yeah. um i want to see it again like i will see this again at some point and i just i have a deeper appreciation for the show because i got to see all the staging and all the acting that went along with it and there's a bunch of songs that i like a lot more now that i have the full context of like everything going on on stage during it yes absolutely like i haven't seen it live i may have seen a recording of it that uh that i shouldn't have seen and you're absolutely right like even on the bad cam it was great and we're seeing it next year like it's coming to a couple of cities near us um i want to i can't remember if it's early or mid next year but that's probably going to be our christmas presents to each other because the tickets for this traveling show at least are exorbitantly expensive and we want to make sure that we have good seats for this and uh i can't wait oh, yeah. to see it live no, i couldn't have afforded this uh thanks mom and dad they basically told me <laughs> and my wife that if we wanted to we could trade in 
everything for Christmas and get Hamilton tickets instead because they got some early access to the tickets and they were hard oh, to get. Cool. So we said yes and we jumped on it. But no, I wouldn't have been able to buy these either. So this awesome. was entirely my Christmas present from my parents. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Yep. It was amazing. We loved it. Um, I guess the other thing that I wanted to say about it is I can't imagine seeing this without having known the music ahead of time because there's so much going on and mm. the dialogue and the music is so fast. And like, I've listened to it. Like, I, I know it, right? I know all of it. But there were definitely people around us during intermission that were like, I don't get it. Or like, why is this so, like, y- there was just a disconnect. Yeah. And I started listening to what they were saying. And it's the people that hadn't listened to it ahead of time, that had no idea. They just heard, oh, this is a good show. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel bad for those people. Like, you kind of want to go into this already knowing the story and the music so you can just take it all in and i felt that way even listening to it the first time that like i loved it the first time i watched i listened to the the soundtrack on spotify was you telling me that i needed to i finally got into doing it okay so i listened to it and i loved it i did exactly what you said and started it over immediately because that's just the feeling that you have when you want to do it and it's i had no idea what was going on though like, I couldn't understand the lyrics. I didn't know what was going on. I just had the very briefest, like, like most surface-level view of it as I could. And then as I listened to it a second, a third time, I learned more of the lyrics. I could make them out. And I was like, oh, oh, that's where all the depth is. And it took that many times of just listening to know the lyrics. I really can't imagine, especially a live show, where you can't stop the music and go back just in case you wanted to hear something else and that people may mispronounce things or just anything that could happen in a live performance i can't even imagine seeing it live for the first time without go without knowing what i was seeing ahead of time like that yeah it was it was just amazing it was the best show that i've ever seen so it was it was just so good um and then i came home and i immediately picked up the hamilton the revolution book which my wife already had she had read through it but i was kind of waiting until after i had seen the show i knew i would at some point in my life right um so i went and i grabbed it off the shelf and i read it over the like the next day or two and it's a really really good book again i'm glad that i didn't read this until after i had seen the show like there's a difference between seeing it and listening to it and oh absolutely this like the book had a much bigger impact on me because i had seen it and i had seen the staging and i saw the performance and i just understood it all better and then going back and reading through the book where it's kind of a mixture of telling you about the history but then also telling you about the history of lin-manuel miranda writing the show and because he wrote it for the most part in sequence Mm -hmm. it it follows really well because it's kind of a couple years of his life along with you're tracking hamilton and washington and jefferson and all the people through history as it's like talking about it as the show goes on so i can highly recommend that book if you're interested in it and you have the print copy of this one right yeah, that's one of the few books that I actually have a print copy for because there's a lot of images in it that are cool. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. That from me picking it up and looking through, it was almost uh, uh, um, not an art book, but it was definitely something that you want to pick up physically as opposed to an ebook because it is laid out like that. That it is it's put together very deliberately. Yes, absolutely. So Hamilton was great. I'm not going to belabor it, but I loved it. Um, And now I'm listening to the soundtrack again over and over because that happens because it's so good. Um, Another thing that I did in the last week, uh, we did our voting by mail or absentee ballot or whatever you want to call it. But this is something that I want to bring up again because I think it's super important that everybody votes. And my wife and I switched to doing this one election cycle ago. Yeah, the last presidential election is when we switched to doing it um, this way. So for us, I mean, it's different state by state. But like in Minnesota, I can say it's super easy. You jump on the Secretary of State website. You perform, you provide some kind of ID. Like I think I just used my driver's license. And it's very easy to set up. They just like mail you the ballot with all of the other like envelopes that you need to return it in. And it just it gives us so much time to research local things that I never was able to do when I would go to a polling place. And that's the reason that I love it. Because for the most part, and I'm not going to go super political because I know that's not what this show is about. But for the most part, when you go into a voting booth, you know kind of who you're voting for, for like senator, governor, president, that kind of thing, you know. But it's those hyper local races that I just I never had the time 
to research and even if i did i felt like i forgot half the time i know you can take a piece of paper with you or whatever but like there's something about it that it just feels like a time pressure even though it's not technically in the voting booth and the last two elections that we voted in my wife and i took out the ballot got a glass of wine got on our phones and started researching and it it made us make very educated decisions about who we were voting for for like county sheriff and school board and city council and those are the ones that actually matter a lot more than the bigger races because you have such a bigger say and they can impact you on a local level like it's amazing so i just have to tell people again that i think it's a great way to do it and don't be afraid to like go that way if you're at all interested in it yeah it's I always push people to vote, like really, really try to press how important it is, especially the local elections. Like it doesn't matter to me what you vote for or who or whatever, but sometimes, especially with local elections, it can come down to a vote or two that we actually, I think, got a had a city council runoff because there was a maybe a 12 vote difference and they needed to be able to uh, to do it better than that. So they had to uh, go with different candidates. Candidates. Like the way that the math worked out, they had to do a runoff between the top two candidates to split it because they were so close between everybody else. It was it, it's insane how how much power you have in local elections that people don't realize. Yeah. And I bring it up now because I think it again, it all depends on what state you're in. But I think that in a lot of states, you can still go and get that absentee ballot or that vote by mail ballot and just do it. And then you don't have to worry about it on Election Day when everybody else is at the polls. Like it's it's fantastic to do it that way. And Um, taking time off work on top of everything else. Yeah, that too. Get a glass of wine, sit down at night (laughs) with your phone and your spouse and do some research. And it's great. Um, I also resubscribe to Gamefly, which it's that time of year. I have the last yep. couple of years around this time of year. So I tried Jurassic World Evolution. I didn't like it a whole lot, but I tried it. Um, I tried Vampire, Vampire. I don't know. I, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's Vamp and then YR. And it's like a post-World War One alternate history England. And okay. you're a vampire. It's... <sighs> This one was hard because it's not a good game. It's janky. I didn't like it. I had to put it down in the end because the combat's not fun and like the core mechanics aren't fun. But there are super interesting concepts that I would love to see developed out into a better game. So one of the concepts is the best way that you get experience is by sucking people's blood, right? Okay, and right, makes sense. The NPCs in the game, there's a bunch of NPCs that you can actually get to like know and have relationships with and like grow in friendship or whatever with them or um like you can make the medicines and like heal them if they're sick. It's like, you know, it's that, you know, kind of Spanish flu time. Uh, and yep. if you do that, the stronger your bond is with them, the more experience you get if you bite them and suck their blood. So <laughs> it's it's such a cool mechanic that like you have to balance like, do I want to spend a bunch of time and invest it in like getting my relationship up with this person just so I can turn them into a pile of XP and kill them? Because that's the question, right? And mm. It's fascinating. It's just that like everything else in the game is not executed to the level where I could actually play it. But I saw that and I was like, oh, man, that's a good idea. I want to see someone else's take on this. Yeah, that that's a really good idea. Like it's very morbid, too. Like that is man, that's dark. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, I also rented Mega Man 11, even though I tried the demo. I thought I would try a couple other stages because there was only one stage in the demo. And I beat a couple. I beat a couple bosses and it's still Mega Man. Like I want Mega Man X. Like that's the that's the only Mega Man that I've ever really latched onto. I want them to bring back the X series because it just controls so much better and I don't know, it works with my brain. Like the the Mega Man core series has so many little things with it like knockback and like damage that makes you freeze in place in weird ways and it feels like a relic of its time, and I know that there's people who love it for that, and I'm just not one. So I should probably stop trying the main Mega Man series <laughs> and just hold out for another X someday. Just play 20XX a lot, and you'll be fine. Yeah, that's actually a way better game. That's a good point. Um, yeah, and then it's, it's I really rented. <laughs> it is. I rented the Crew 2, which is, it was trying too hard. It was trying way too hard. Um, it, it wanted to be extreme with, like, a big X in there for extreme oh, and it just didn't oh, ring true. Oh, extreme. Okay. Yeah, that exactly. And like the progression in it is unbranded social media followers. So it's not like Facebook fans, but it's like, Oh, how many followers do you have? And it's, it was a pretty like meh racer. I don't know. 
I tried it. So anyway, as I've said before, my hit rate on Gamefly games, I purposefully choose games that I'm on the fence about. And it's usually about 1 in 20. I'll find that it was like, oh, okay, I'm glad that I checked this out because I actually like this one. So, so right. far, I'm four down, zero hits, but we'll see what happens as the season winds on. I did want to talk about the Dragon Prince because it was okay. fantastic. Have you seen it? Now, Do you, you know mi- what it is? You mentioned this. You mentioned this last week, and I'd never heard of it. Like, I don't remember if you even mentioned it on air or if it was something you and I had talked about. But after you said it, uh, after you said it, I went into the living room and I I actually saw it on Netflix and I watched the trailer for it. The first, I don't know, 15, 30 seconds to a minute of the the preview they had on there made me be like, what is wrong with Void's head that this looks so bad? And then after that, it kind of picked up and showed what it was. And it's one of those shows that is now on my list to watch because you didn't tell me anything other than that you watched it and that you liked it. And when I watched that trailer, I was like, oh, this, this looks awesome awesome and uh, by the end of the preview so if you're like me and sometimes you turn off a netflix preview because it starts out and it's like no that is not for me give this one at least the full preview after you even after you hear this because it does it does look really cool and i didn't think it was going to be my kind of show yeah it's it's great i mean it's one of the rare animated shows that i actually like um it has a weird frame rate thing going on with it and I think I adjusted to it by the end of the first episode, but that was a little bit of a hurdle to get over. It feels like they cranked the frame rate down for some reason. I don't know why. It was just a stylistic choice. But it's an animated show. That being said, it has an interesting political setup, and it has a super interesting like magic system for the humans. It's not just like your will makes magic. You actually have to harness power, and it has to come from somewhere, and some of the spells require... like reagents and you know components and stuff like that i don't know it was just kind of a different take on magic but i like where they're going with it i want to see it fleshed out more and it it feels like they spent a ton of time fleshing out the world and we just scratched the surface of it with this first season um it's by the people who made avatar and legend of Korra. legend of Korra. is that right oh okay yeah yeah that's right yeah okay um so I haven't watched either of those. I tried mm-hmm. Avatar at one point and I couldn't get into it. And I never tried Legend of Korra, which I I hear I should try. But anyway, if you have watched those and you like them, this is like some of the same creators. So it's structured the same way. Like this season was called a book. So this was like book one. And then each episode was a chapter in it. And I think that's um... the same as an Avatar, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, okay. There's a general in it that is a total badass. And I love her. She's deaf but she just like she kicks the most ass of the show it's amazing and the way they treat her as a character like this is you know me not being able to speak from like a marginalized position but from my perspective it seemed like they treated her very well she's just a character and being deaf is just a thing and but it jumped out at me because we don't see that representation enough in media you know no no, we don't. Like, that's something, when, as soon as you said that, I was like, I wonder how they actually show that and deal with it, because it's not done often enough to actually have a have a handle on it. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, she does sign language sometimes, and she has an interpreter that will, like, say the words out loud for her. That's, like, her lieutenant. But then, okay. if she's having a private conversation or a private moment, and she's signing, he doesn't step in and say it, because it's not for public consumption. So... It's, I don't know, it, it was just so fascinating. It jumped out at me because we don't see it hmm. enough. Um, I also want to mention that Claudia might be my favorite character in the show. She's a black mage, and the black mages are definitely harnessing an evil magic, but she's so, like, happy and carefree <laughs> and cute, I guess, is probably <laughs> the right adjective in there, too. But she's also a black mage, and it just worked for me. I loved it. So right. I love the show. I like that it had a variety of, like, different people and representation in it, which I think it made it more interesting. The other thing is that this was the first show that I've really watched with my daughter, and I legitimately enjoyed it. So oh, I've been watching, okay. quote-unquote, shows, you know, with my kids for years. But, like, they it's, it's kid shows, right, that you watch because you're a parent yep. and you kind of have to sometimes. This is the first show where, like, she's old enough to enjoy it, and it's mature enough that I enjoyed it, too. I I think it's technically rated, like, Y7 on the TV rating scale, but it worked for her. It worked for me. So, like, this was a show that we watched every single episode together, and I'm so excited to find more shows like that for me and my kids. 
Maybe that is a good time to try Korra then. Maybe. No, that's a really good point. I should probably give it a look. Because, I mean, Avatar may or may not work, but I have heard Korra is actually better. And I've, I couldn't get into Avatar either that I tried back in the day. I haven't tried since, you know, I've been a more discerning, not college student. But uh, I've heard that Korra is just better by pretty much everybody who watched both of them. So I'm gonna, sure I'm <laughs> going to get a tweet and be like, no, it's not. But uh, <laughs> just to say, just to have somebody say it. But I've heard nothing but good things about Legend of Korra. So if you like that one, maybe it is a good time to go back to it. Probably. I should probably give it a watch or at least try it out um i read a bunch too that i haven't talked about yet so like monster of the week i picked that up i dug into it and after digging in i kind of love these powered by the apocalypse games um i took a look at a couple others and they're really really cool and i just i like the whole system that it's built around i don't think i can make this one work for my kids which is kind of what i was hoping but i'm holding on to it and i definitely want to play either this or one of the other powered by the apocalypse games sometime in the future um i'm kind of eyeing masks as maybe the next one that i'm gonna look at to see if i can make that work for me and my kids but i don't know it's just this system is like uh, i I don't want to like go into all the details but needless to say it's not as math heavy and there's a lot of really good story hooks that they build into the characters right from the beginning and then like the power sets are very good story hooks also as you add powers and as you go up in levels and all that kind of stuff um and then a lot of the like math that would be in there for other rpg systems is handled by like simple check boxes which i thought was very approachable too so i I liked it a lot i would recommend checking out powered by the apocalypse if you have any interest at all i also read final fantasy ultimania archive one (laughs) and like it was great like i these do you know about these books? I didn't know about them until you had actually told me about it. That okay. I'd, I'd somehow missed them entirely. So they've been out and they've existed for a long time in Japan, but this is the first time they've come over and been in English. So this one, um, it slipped past my radar, but I saw it the other week and it's been out for a little bit. I think the Archive 2 just came out and then Archive 3 is out sometime later this fall or early this winter. So I want to pick up all of them Um I liked it. It's it's just like a deep dive on Final Fantasy and a lot of it goes into the art and the story and the characters and some behind the scenes stuff and memories and things like that. It, it's kind of a smattering, but when I love Final Fantasy as much as I do, I feel like I need to get these books and read all of them. So I did the first one, basically. That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. And then in general, I'm trying to just like read more and work it into my life better. And one of the things that I did recently was try to play around with different reading options. And it was when I was rereading The Martian because I was like, I know Mm. this book. I can kind of afford to like mess around with the way I'm reading it and just see if something works better or worse. So I turned on the scrolling option in Kindle and I switched over to reading vertically. So basically what I did was I turned books into scrolling text the way that we see it on social media all day every day or websites or like I consume so much of my media vertically through my phone in that way that I thought maybe I just need to make books slightly more like that and some point in the last couple months Kindle patched that in as an option you can just turn on never-ending scroll and I love it like, I absolutely love it. I told you about this last week. Did you give it a try? I can't do it. I can't figure out how to do it on Android, but I'm getting my XS, my iPhone XS Max tonight. As soon as we finish this, I'm waiting on the UPS guy right now, so I'll be able to try it probably tonight uh, when I get on the okay. iOS version because I cannot find it in the Android version. Okay, so it's definitely in the iOS version because that's where I've been doing it. It's in that like uh, font menu, like the the 2A menu, if you guys know the AA um, on Kindle app. It's in there. I'm looking at it right now, and I've got text size, brightness, font color, margins, line spacing, and alignment. I have none of the uh, no vertical scrolling. So maybe it's just on iOS. But at first, it felt kind of like I was cheating on books because I basically turned a book into social media. Like just that scrolling never end. You can just keep going. And after I got over that hump, it was kind of like, screw it. Like I'm reading more because of this. Why does it matter? I'm still reading the words. I'm still taking in like the novel and I'm enjoying it more than I was before. So this is kind of my preferred reading method right now, even though it's weird, but I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious on whether or not I'm going to like it because I've been reading eBooks just like you forever in a day. And I'm so used to the motion my hand makes because I'm lying in bed, usually on my side. Uh, 
um, holding it in one hand, and I've just got my my thumb there, kind of tapping the edge of the screen as I as I change pages. And it's going to be interesting to see if it's more or less comfortable than what I figured out works for me right now. So I'm really really excited to try this because I read. I want to say all the time, but I read a little bit every night. But I'm curious if this is going to make me read more just in general because I can open it up and just scroll like I'm doing anyway. That's exactly what I found myself doing. Like I'm just reading more because it fits the format better. I don't have to turn my phone. I don't have to turn the pages because before I was reading on the side, so horizontally on the phone, and I was reading with page turns. And something about switching to vertical and scrolling at the same time, it just makes it more accessible. It's just, it's this tiny, tiny bit of friction and it shouldn't matter that much, but for some reason it does. So and I already read vertically. Yeah, oh, I mean, so and I already read vertically, so it's not a huge change, but the scrolling may end up making this that little bit of friction that you mentioned go away. Because I still, like I had mentioned to you when we were just talking, when I tap instead of swipe, because swipe is annoying whenever you're on your side in the dark in bed, like, terrible. But I just tap. Sometimes I'll open up that kind of exploded view that shows multiple pages and entire uh, timeline of the book instead of changing the page where there's still that little bit of friction there that the vertical scrolling may actually change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have to report back after you get your new phone, basically. Yeah, we'll do. Um, I also played Mario Party this week. So yay. yay. Do you like Mario Party? I, I guess I, love I never Mario asked Party. I haven't played this one. I'm really excited though because I love Mario Party games and this one is on my radar of getting soon uh, to have people over because I love multiplayer Mario Party and I'm pretty sure this one has online friend play so I can play with Austin and Grace and Nomi down in Florida. Cool. Yeah, so my kids and I have been playing Super Mario Party, and I've come to the conclusion that, like, we just don't enjoy the Mario Party part of Mario Party, and we <laughs> have fun with the mini games. Like, every time we're having right. a good time, it's because we're just playing the mini games and, like, either going into the collection or choosing one of the other modes that's all about, like, getting you between mini games really fast. Mario Party has tons of downtime when you play the party mode where there's dice rolling and there's board choices and there's like things that happen and it's just slow. And it's it like is. you get 10 mini games in over the course of 60 minutes maybe, you know? So what we did was like we played around a Mario Party and then I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of an- annoying. And then we <laughs> have just been playing mini ga- like mini games for the last week and that's way better for us. Yeah, the mini games are where the fun is. The mini games are, it's the same way with 1-2 Switch. It's like I just go into where, I don't even remember the name of the mode, but we go in and it just basically picks out a series of them at random for us to compete with instead of going through the the normal way that you play the game. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's all about the mini games and getting to them as quickly as possible. Yeah, um, I played a couple other things. So I played Magic the Gathering Arena, which came out on PC, and... I think this is the most approachable that Magic has ever been, and I'm actually kind of interested in it. The problem I'm running into is that everybody else playing this has like 20 years of Magic experience on me, and I just can't keep up. So, I don't know. It's still Magic the Gathering. It's still not super approachable unless you have like, you know, kind of a, a Magic Sherpa to like bring you on board, and even then, it's hard to do that in the online version. So, I'm still picking away at it. I haven't given up entirely, but I'm kind of on the cusp of maybe setting it down. Um, if you have ever been interested in getting into Magic, I still think that this is probably the best way to do it at this point. It's also more affordable. It's free to play. Um, there's a lot of really good drafting options that you can get cards for not a whole lot of money, and you don't have to like leave your house and go do it at a public <laughs> draft or any of that kind of stuff. So... It's cool. I like it. Um, I just want to flag that for other people that might be interested. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around Magic being inaccessible because I've played it for the last 20 years. And uh, I was 14 when I first started playing Magic the Gathering. And But, I mean, that was also 21 years ago of Magic the Gathering. But for me, it was so accessible and so easy to learn that that's really what sold me on it. That I haven't played it in years and really have no idea what the current type Type two landscape looks like, but I'm. It, it's interesting from from my perspective to think like, yeah, you just sit down and and you do this. It's like kind of like any like us with anybody when we like, oh, you don't play video games, yeah, you hear here here's a controller, do this, and they're like, um, what? It's uh, it's interesting to me because the base game of Magic is very 
very easy, but uh, very accessible. Uh, not necessarily easy, but uh, I can totally see with some of the stuff that I know they've introduced lately that uh, how complicated that it could be. So hopefully the drafts and things like that kind of even it out a little bit more and remove some of the some of the more weird things like planeswalkers and other stuff like that. Okay, now I really want you to try it because you have way more magic experience than me. You would be able to tell me more about it and actually, um, yeah, you yeah. should try it and report yeah, back. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Is it on PC, you said? It's only on PC right now. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll grab it. Sweet. Um, I have other things I want to talk about that we don't have time, so we'll probably touch on next week, including I got a new phone. That might have to be our topic for next week because <laughs> it's been like four and a half years since I bought a phone. Um, but I did want to mention on my new phone, I've been playing a ton of Dragalia Lost. Have you seen this game? I've seen it and I haven't downloaded it yet. It's uh, because I've actually been playing other mobile games and I didn't want my attention to be split. So it's uh, it's one that I want to play and, and honestly haven't done yet because I've looked at it. And with me switching phones, I was like, I know it's coming in the next few days. I'm just going to I'm just going to wait and download it on the iPhone. OK, so this is my mobile game of choice at the moment, and I've been playing it for like a week, maybe. Um, and I haven't okay. burned out on it. And like I, I think this one might be one of those permanent positions on my phone which not a whole lot of mobile games make the cut for that. So it's oh kind of Diablo-ish. Like, it's a an action RPG. It's not Diablo. It's a Nintendo game. So it's a Nintendo mobile action RPG is probably the summary level of it. Um, but it's it controls well and like it does what it sets out to do from like a, a controlling and like action rpg standpoint but in general like the levels are usually structured to only last a few minutes which is really good it's a good fit for mobile and right. there's a quick dungeon with like loot and mobs that you go through and then there's a boss at the end of it and the boss tends to actually have mechanics to it some of the mobs might too but there's stuff like dodging there's like elemental strengths and weaknesses there's special moves that you can trigger there's uh transforming into giant dragons that you can trigger which is really sweet there's um people can like throw up a shield and then you can also do moves that like break the shield so none of these are revolutionary it's just that on mobile it's just the right level of mechanics you know right. to actually challenge you because i feel like so many mobile games start out good but then i only play them on auto and then i'm not even playing the game's playing itself and then why am i even playing this you know yeah i absolutely do that's kind of where i am in the galaxy of heroes when uh I'm more auto playing it than anything, but I'm finding that where I am in Strike Force and Marvel Strike Force, I actually enjoy playing it and dealing with the strategy more right now. So once I get to the point where it's all auto playing, I'll probably bounce further off of it again. But uh, same for Future Fight that I had done before. Um, because I like actively playing them. I like auto-playing when I want to, but basically not when that's the entire game. Yeah, so I'm actively playing this, and it's like... There's just enough friction in the gameplay mechanics to be fun. And the friction in this mobile game is not in the microtransactions, which is what I feel like happens. Like so yes. many other games I've tried and gotten hooked on, but the friction isn't in the gameplay. The gameplay, you just kind of auto your way through and it's mindless. And then the friction comes in with like, oh, I don't have enough currency. I can't get the character. I can't level up. Yep. And then you want to like they want you to buy things this feels like the opposite like there's just enough friction that makes you actually engage with the gameplay and then i haven't felt at all like i need to buy anything and because of that oh. i'll probably end up putting money into it because i like to support developers that do that um, okay so i'm curious about the microtransactions in this one because it is it does look like uh just from interface it looks like the uh fire emblem heroes kind of yeah, uh, gotcha no, game it's, it's very similar i mean it's structured like a gotcha game it's just that kind of like fire emblem heroes you get enough currency you get enough experience you get enough um of the energy timers just by playing the game that you don't really have to worry about it or engage with that if you don't want to Okay, so that's what I was curious about. Like, was it energy based, or was it, or how they actually did the microtransactions? What were you actually buying? Yeah, it feels like it's a little bit of everything you would expect, but it's not exploitive. Is really okay. the main difference, and I assume it's because it's Nintendo. Like, Nintendo tries not to be that way, and it shows. It shows through. So this also has co op, 
and it's like real four-player simultaneous co-op. It's not the asynchronous, oh, your friend played this game one time two years ago. You can interact with their character that's sitting on a server. This is actually you can play co-op with other people by just like hitting a button. And Oh, wow. It's so rare to find that in mobile games like this. Yes, it is. Because even like PvP stuff is them taking your characters usually and then it just running with the AI that it just happens to use your stats. Yeah, this is other characters out there for real, like right now, who are playing, which is so fun. And you can do that with friends? You can do it with friends, and then you can also do raids. So it has, again, because there's gameplay Hmm. mechanics, because there's like, um, it has um, attack telegraphing from bosses and stuff. So you actually have time to react and get out of the way or dodge or like interact with the mechanics of the boss attacks. And it lends itself to this raid type structure that they do too. So you can hmm. play four player co-op because like every time you go into a dungeon, you bring four of your characters. So when you play co-op, you bring one of your characters and everybody else brings one character. You still have a party of four, but they have raids, which you bring a party of four characters and so do three other players. So you oh, have man. 16 different characters on the screen fighting a raid boss all together with mechanics. And it's like, this is what I want in mobile games. I want them to be good. I want them to try new things, and I want them to actually be engaging. Like, I have to give these people money because they're doing it so well, and I want more games like this. That's wonderful. Like, that sounds so so good that I will probably be downloading that tonight just to see how the new phone works and, and what kind of power and everything goes into it. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there was like a fire dragon that I was fighting yesterday that was a raid, and it's like he has a left front uh, foot, a right front foot, and a tail, and you can like break all of the parts individually, and then you can use that huh. to like break him and then do, I don't know, it was just cool. There's actual mechanics in it. And then all of that, they also have character stories. So this is like one of my favorite parts of the game. They're definitely drawing inspiration from Fire Emblem here, you know, because Fire Emblem has had success by giving you character stories. But it makes gaining new characters so much more meaningful because even compared to like Fire Emblem Heroes, right? There you might get a character, you get like one little interaction and they move on. This is actually full stories that you unlock as you level up that character and like bring them up through different levels. And it's very Fire Emblem-esque. You know, in in the mainline Fire Emblem games now, you kind of have to like pair characters up and then after they reach certain levels of bond, you get story between those two characters. This is much more about if you raise the one character up in levels so there's like a couple different level systems in the game but one of them as you unlock it you unlock stories about that character and it means that every single time you get a character from any of the mechanics the gotcha mechanics or the story or whatever you have i don't know i just feel more connected to them because i know there's a whole story related to them that i get to experience Hmm. that's really neat like that sounds like a really well done mobile game. That's the you're right, that's exactly the kind of mobile game that I want. Yeah, so you guys should play Dragalia Lost. It's amazing and I will friend you on there if you want. Just hit me up on Twitter. Um, oh, I have one more question for that. Yeah, go because ahead. you say that everything goes quickly and that you move through the levels and, and it's, you know, very well put together for episodic play. Can you do auto complete just to do it as you want to like we've gotten used to in some of these others? Like when you're like so, I just need to get whatever it is. Can you complete the missions that way there's two things you can do so one there's an auto button but what it does is it will take you um critical path through the dungeon and it won't stop for anything it doesn't need to so you'll miss out on all the treasure you'll miss out on any like optional enemies and it's kind of uh it depends on how your party's set up if they would be able to beat the boss at the end so okay there have been a couple times where like i just needed to do it really quick and i was doing other things and i hit the auto button just to get to the boss and then i turned auto off and i beat the boss myself so yeah i've done that in future fight that's how the one of the auto functions worked for it where i would always take over on uh, bosses that were anywhere near their level but i'm I'm almost always actually playing it because I want all the treasure and I want to explore every nook and cranny. I don't want to just take the critical path to the boss. Um, But there's that. And then the other thing you can get are skip tickets, which I'm sure you've seen different versions of in other games. So if Uh you've already beaten a level and you're just going back to grind on it, you can use a skip ticket and it'll just automatically beat the level for you in like a second. Like you don't even have to go into the level. Yeah, those are those are great. That uh, actually one of the things that's made me play um, uh, not future fight but 
Marvel Strike Force over Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes is that it took away the need for the tickets and just takes the energy from you. That you don't have to keep a second currency to do that. And uh, so when you want to go in and, and get an upgrade or do whatever, you don't have to, to mindlessly farm or buy yet another piece. And I'm like, that that was an, a piece of friction that I didn't realize was really, uh, really friction. Yeah, but... I mean, I would say that 99% of my gaming time in the last week has gone into either Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I'm going to have to talk about next week at this point, where we are in timing, or Dragalia Lost. And it just depends if right. I'm, you know, playing mobile or playing at home on a console. So I, I'm still playing it a lot. Like, I've played it a ton, and I love it. That is, that makes me very happy. That yep, is you'll have that to try it out. good. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's probably it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback, or questions. Please send your questions. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord, so you can go to discord.geek2geekcast.com or slack.geek2geekcast.com and you can hang out with us. And like we said earlier, about midway through the show, we're part of a podcast network, so go to geek2geekcast.com and see all of our shows. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. I promise not to use the mustard joke again, except for the fact that I will. everyone i'm katie and i'm chelsea and we are the hosts of tea time with katie and chelsea we are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want katie yes stop thinking about zach efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about well we've talked about zach efron no get it together katie fine we've talked about fan fiction classical literature adaptations favorite tv couples and so much more so grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.